Hey, what we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks is we're going to be talking about what it looks like to have the ideal family. Does it really exist? Is it really out there? But what I really want to challenge us to is I want us to challenge, uh, I want to challenge us to be thinking about what it looks like for us in, in our relationships with our families. Today we're going to be talking about husbands and wives. And if you're sitting in this room and you're single or you're not of the married age, I want to tell you, if you feel like this sermon doesn't apply to you, then you're not listening. Because you have the opportunity to take notes and not mess up the things that most of us have already messed up. Amen, married people. So the Bible has given us a great passage of scripture to look at today. But before we get to that, I just want to say a couple of things. One of my joys as a pastor is I have the privilege uh, let, me, let me stop. Let me just pray real quick. Lord Jesus, I, I need you to speak through me. And Lord, I pray that sometimes the word of God can come across as offensive to some of us. Uh, help us to deal with it because it's, it's what it is, Lord. And help us to not read our own agendas into it. But God, speak to us how we need to be spoken to this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sorry, this is, this is going to be a fun series and we're looking forward to it. And uh, I just needed to stop and pray real quick because uh, we're going to be challenging ourselves today. Um, there's a passage of scripture in here today that is very controversial and very uh, meaty that I think a lot of times we, especially as men, uh, fail to take the weight of it on ourselves. But anyway, so one of my joys as a pastor is I get to do weddings and I get to do pre-marriage counseling. And some of you sitting in this room are about to go through that or have gone through that recently. And you guys know what I'm about to tell you is one of the first things we talk about is the importance of communication, right, married people? Because everything that, that, that we say to one another, um, it always comes across the way we mean it, right? Right. In fact, what we do in my pre-marriage counseling is I'll, I'll sit couples down and I'll, I'll give them these cheesy exercises and I'll say, all right, what I want you to, to do, person A, is I want you to tell person B exactly what you're feeling. Then person B, I want you to tell person A exactly what they said. And, and they do this. And what's amazing to me is, is I'll, just, I'll, use, uh, I'll use my son and daughter's names just because they're obviously not married. But I'll say, okay, Brandon, tell Becca exactly what you mean. And so Brandon will say something along the lines of, well, I, I really would appreciate it, Becca, if you would do the dishes once in a while. Okay, Becca, what did you hear Brandon say? Well, I heard Brandon say that he, he wants me to do everything around the house and he wants me to do this and you... No, that's, that's not what he was saying. And so what happens is, is somewhere in, in our lives as married people, some things get lost in translation, don't they? Okay, we're going to stop. We're going to do something. If you're sitting next to your spouse right now, or you're sitting and you've got kids in between you and your spouse, I physically want you to get up and move next to your spouse right now. I want you to do that. And then if you are sitting next to your spouse, some of you are already doing it, that's good. I want you to hold their hand. Or I want you to put your arm around them, or both, like the sads over here are getting it. That's good, okay? I want you to do both. Now, what I don't want you to do during my talk this morning, my sermon here, if I say something that you think is applicable to the other person, I don't want you squeezing their hand, nudging them, or squeezing them, all right? Because we had a marriage conference here a couple of weeks ago, and Dr. David Tripp came, and he talked to us about our marriages, and, and he said one of the realities that we miss as couples is often we want to look at the other person and say, you want to watch football, you want to do this, or you want to be a crazy lady and yank the TV satellite off the roof. And we point fingers, but the reality of it is, is the person who you need to worry about in your relationship, this is going to sound really weird, is you. 
Because at the end of the day, you can immediately do something to affect you, whether it be your heart, your attitude, your motives. And so as I'm preaching today, if you start wandering down that road of going, well, shame on that person, shame on you. Because I want us to all be looking in the mirror, not to our right and not to our left this morning. Can everybody agree to that? Okay, I'm going to continue. So communication is this big deal. It is one of the big killers in marriages. And so as we've been diving in the as we're going to be diving in the word of God, I start thinking about okay, so what do we do about communication because men are completely different than women. Men have this way of always wanting to just kind of fix things. Women just want to be heard, and there's just this this way that we communicate where it seems like the guys are speaking some form of Vulcan language and the, and the women are speaking a Hebrew and, and, and after a while it just, we just can't seem to communicate, right? Some, some of you married couples who've been married a little longer know more about what I'm talking about. So this week what I did is I got on Facebook and I asked people a question like, how do you and your spouse communicate? I asked a lot of people one-on-one, how do you and your spouse communicate? And some people said um, that we communicate great and some people said we don't communicate at all. And so it brings out that reality that men want to be fixers. Men want to just have, they have a way of communicating. Women have a way of, you know what, I'm just going to show you another quick illustration to demonstrate what I'm talking about, and, and then we'll continue this. So check this out. So the question I have for us, is it about the nail at all? Because men communicate in a way that is completely different than a way that women communicate, and somewhere along the lines of marriage, we all know this, don't we? It's just... We're, we're just not connecting. We're not communicating. And, and I would challenge us to say it actually isn't about the nail. It's actually not about communication at all. Because what's really going on behind the scenes is where we get into our scripture. In marriage, when you get married one day, in marriage, there's going to be moments that they're not always just sweet and, and, and happy. There's going to be moments where you don't get along. There's going to be moments where you disagree. There's going to be moments where communication, you're speaking different languages. There's moments where intimacy isn't going to be because you're just not there. There's going to be moments where you as a couple are just missing one another. And I'm going to tell you right now, the issue that you have is not the nail. The issue that you have is not communication. The issue you have is not an intimacy problem. The issue that you have is that, we've, that I have, and I'm going to tell you right now, I feel like the biggest hypocrite in the world giving this sermon this morning. Because I'm still trying to figure out how to love my wife and all that stuff. And so I want you to know I'm in this boat with you. But the issue that I have, and the issue I think that we have as married couples in the church today, is that we have forgotten what our biblical duty as husbands and wives are. So the issue isn't necessarily my communication problem with my wife. The issue is I've forgotten how to really love may be my wife. Because when we look at that video, we laugh because she's saying, I don't want to hear about the nail. And he's saying, you need to get the nail out of your head. And, and the issue is, is she has a love language. She needs to be loved a certain way. And he needs to be loved a certain way. Just like you all have a love language that as married people, we've got to figure that out. But until we get to the biblical basis of why we're to love each other and how we're to love each other, you're never going to be able to figure any of that out. So some of you have been married a while, and some of that's getting lost in translation. Well, let's tune up our marriages this morning, and let's open the book of Ephesians. Could we? If you have a Bible, go to Ephesians 5. And I want to say this. You, you hear me say all the time that the English language can never truly do justice to the Word of God. 
And this is another one of those portions in Scripture where, where we have given chapters and we've given numbers and we've broken down the Bible so that we can understand it by topic. But what that has done is it's actually caused us to look at the things in the Bible and chunk them. So, like, you look at Ephesians 5, and it, it talks about being an imitator of God, of Christ. And then it goes down to verse 22, and it talks about wives and husbands. And then you go to Ephesians 6, and it talks about uh, taking care of your children. But the reality of it is, is when Paul wrote this letter, those subtitles, those breakups, were never intended to be there. And so what happens is, is what we do is we then chunk the scripture up, and we get things way out of context. Because I'm going to tell you right now, so many times when we go through Ephesians 5.22 and we make the statement, wives, submit to your husbands, I get this praise look from the men and I get daggers looks from the ladies. And there's two reasons that's wrong. One is because we're taking it way out of context because if we took it in its proper context, men would be shooting me the dagger eyes because I just asked you to die. And the other, I forget what I was even saying, but the second thing, second thing is, is we've, we've chunked this thing up, and I'm going to tell you right now, all of Ephesians 5 and 6 is actually meant to be read together. Because what Ephesians 5 and 6, it starts out by telling us to be imitators of God, and the whole entire passage that we're reading is about submitting and being imitators of God by being Christ-like. It talks about how Christ submitted to God, and he committed himself to the church, his bride. And so the issue that Paul is actually addressing with this is something called the house codes. Now, if, you, if, if you've studied Roman culture at all or you've read the Bible a little bit, you know that there's this statement about how the man is to be the spiritual head of the household, right? True statement. And back in this time in Rome, what there is is there's a hierarchy of three relationships in the home that are significant and that are important. The first relationship that is significant and important is the relationship between the husband and the wife. The husband is the patriarch of the family. All the business comes through him. And the wife has a responsibility to be his partner, to work alongside of him. The second relationship, and there's some books out there, some Christian books, that will make this claim, and some of you may want to crucify me for this later, but there's a book out called Parenting is Your Highest Calling. I'm going to tell you what, right now, it's not. Being a good husband and being a good wife, I will say, as a youth pastor of 20 years, is more important and significant because when you get the husband right, when you get the husband or the wife role right, it's going to make parenting so much easier. Because your kids need to see a godly example of how a man should be and how a, woman, a godly woman should be. Your kids need to know what it looks like to see proper affection. Parents, are you telling a story to your kids that they're going to want to live later in their life? Because if you're being a husband right, and if you're being a wife, according to what the scripture says... Parenting is going to be cake. Let me take that back. Parenting is not going to be cake. It's going to be semi-possible. Because <laughs> parenting is hard. Marriage is hard. It's all difficult. But it's worth it. So you have the relationship between the husband and the wife. You have the relationship between the parents and the kids. This is those code laws. This is the hierarchy of the, the relationships in the Roman Empire. And then the third one was the relationships between slaves and their masters, or servants and their masters, or today we would say uh, boss and employees, 
And so that's what we're kind of looking at when we look at Ephesians 5. In Ephesians 5, it opens with this phrase. If you have your Bible, go to it. It says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us. And he gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I'm going to tell you right now, Ephesians 5 starts with the point. The point of everything we're going to talk about is that we are to be imitators of God who, who live our lives just like Christ. We're going to jump forward a little bit in Ephesians here. And we're going to come to our verse. I made a commitment long ago to never preach Ephesians 22, or 5.22 without starting in verse 15. Because when we take that word submission, we are such a politically correct time and nation that we get hung up on that word submission and we miss the meat of what God's telling us. The word submission, let me go into this little rabbit trail. The word submission, do you know what it means? The biblical usage of the word submission does not mean for you to be a doormat, for you to tap out, for you to have someone lord over you. The biblical word submission means that you are laying down your agenda. You are laying down yourself like Christ submitted to God. He gave himself up. He poured out his blood, sweat, his tears for you. Jesus loved you in such a way, he left nothing here undone. He did it all. He worked because he was working for God. He gave everything he had to his bride, the church. Jesus sacrificed his life. And that is the type of submission that we're talking about here today. And we go to verse 15, it says this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That is such a key phrase to this passage. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. And always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Who's he addressing right there in, in, in verse 21? Not the husbands and the wives. Did you hear me? He's addressing everybody. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He didn't say, woman, get in the kitchen and bake me a pie. He said, submit to one another. Men, women, married, single, old, young, submit to one another. Lay down your agenda for the betterment of your brother or your sister for the sake of Christ. Then he gets into this. In verse 22, he says, Wives, submit to your husband as to the Lord. Submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Can I talk to the ladies for a minute? I am clearly not a woman. I'm glad we can all agree on that. But I want to say this. As a man of God, I need, and my wife knows this, I've told her this, I need a woman who's going to come alongside and support me. 
I don't need a doormat. I don't need somebody I can boss around. I don't need someone I could lord over. And what the Word of God is telling us is godly women, the way that we're to love our husbands is to put our agenda aside. The way that we're to love our husbands is we're to look to the interest of him in the family. Let me ask you something, wives. In public, do you praise your husband or do you emasculate him with demeaning words? How are you treating your husband? How are you encouraging him to be in the word of God? How are you praying for your husbands? Wives, you are called by God to love and respect and to lay your life down for your husbands. You're wondering why you have communication issues or other issues in your marriage? Perhaps you're not loving your spouse the way you should. Your husband does not provide salvation for you. Your husband cannot get you into heaven. He is there to be the the spiritual head of your household. He's there to be a, a helpmate. He's there to be a partner. Do not let him lord over you. Because he's your husband. He's not your savior. And women, I'm asking you this question. What are the expectations you have of your husband? And are you holding him to those? Because your husband has expectations from the Lord and how he's to love you. What is the motive for the way that you love your husband? What is the manner in which you're loving your husband? And how do people around you perceive it? That's just an interesting thought. Where they say, wow, that's the, that's the love of God in that woman. Or they call you a she-devil. Men, we look at this verse and oftentimes we go, yeah, that woman is supposed to submit to me and I just got to love them. Let me tell you something. When the Bible says that we're to love our wives as Christ loves the church, as it goes down and says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her with washing. Listen to me, men. You are called by God to be the spiritual heads of your house. Grow a backbone. Man up. You have an obligation to your family first. Stop being selfish. And I'm preaching to me too. Yesterday, I spent all day sitting in a tree stand and as I'm praying through my sermon in my head, I'm going, this is really great. I'm praying on a sermon about loving my wife, and now I've abandoned her to my two children all day long, and I'm sitting here with peaceful and quiet. And How are we loving our wives? Are we laying our lives down? Christ poured out everything for his spouse, the church, his bride, which is us. Men, are you loving your wife the way you did the day before your wedding? Are you looking out for her interests above your own? Are you still attempting to woo her? Or have you just let it all go and become comfortable? Now, there's a big difference between becoming comfortable in your relationship and not caring. And I'm going to challenge us, men. Do you care that you're the spiritual leader of your home? When it comes time to pray with your kids at, your, at night, do you fight your wife on that or do you lead the way? Because I'm going to tell you, godly men, we need you to be leading for your families. 
You need to have your nose in the Word of God so that you can be growing spiritually. Because I'm going to tell you what, those kids of yours are watching. Your wife is watching. And if you're studying the Word of God and you've got your nose in the Word of God and you're doing the things that God has commanded you to do, you are going to be the biggest tool of evangelism and discipleship for your family. Man up. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm, I'm there with you. It, it's killing me to stand up here and say this stuff because it's hard. But we're commanded to love the way that Christ loved the church, men. We're called to lay down everything. We're called to stop being selfish. We're called to give every effort that we have to demonstrate the love that we can, the love of God. You are to be an example of Christ to everyone around you, to your family, to, to your children, to your grandkids. How are you leading? Are you loving your wife in such a way, fathers, that your daughter will only settle for perfection when it comes time for her to be married because of the way that you loved her mom? Does that make sense? I'm challenging you, men, because I'm challenging myself. The word is potent. We joke around about the wives submitting, but I'm going to tell you what, men, we have a mighty task before us. Because I think I can speak from a man's perspective because I think I'm a man. We are very selfish. We, we tend to like our hobbies. We like our sports. We like our things. But I'm going to tell you, men, we need to start laying some of that stuff down. It's not all wrong. But when we put it before God and we put it before our wives and we put it before our children and we put it, I'll even say this, and we put it before the, the works of our hands, we've got issues. We've got false gods. Men, how are you loving your wife? You know, the first sin was Eve, right? Men are quick to remind the, the ladies, if it wasn't for that woman, we wouldn't have sin. But the reality of it is this. The first sin, Eve took the apple. And I would say this, the first failure was when Adam didn't love his wife enough to say, put the apple down. You hear what I'm saying? Men, we need to lead. Wives, you need to to fall in love all over again. And it's not necessarily about one lording the other. It's about a biblical relationship between a husband and a wife. One where each other is putting the needs of their family and of each other before their own. Before their own. Are you living in that way in your relationship with your spouse? God intended for us to be unified like the church. You know, Jesus submitted to God. My prayer for us as a church is that we would be an example to the rest of the world by the way that we love each other. The word of God continues with this. It says, After all, no one ever hated his own body, this is speaking the husband, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of this body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. In the eyes of God, your family unit is one. There's a word about to be used that I want to just explain here real quick. There's, there's not an English word to interpret uh, the word that comes out of Ephesians 32. The word they use there is mystery, but the word that is used in the original language is sacramentum. And sacramentum is an oath that a person would take when joining the military. 
It was a deep commitment. It was a covenant. And so the word tells us this. It says, The man will leave his father and mother and become unified to his wife. Two will become one flesh. This is a profound sacramentum, a profound oath. And I'm talking about Christ in the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Do you have some issues in your marriage? Is there some things that in your mind and in your heart you know you've got to work on? It could be a whole range of things. I'll say this, just as Paul Tripp said a couple of weeks ago here. The first place you need to look is the mirror. In fact, I actually want you to do that this week. Actually, I want you to do it today. I want you to go home and I want you to take a little bit of time. And if you're a kid in here right now and you've got parents in here, I want you to give your parents some space today. Because I want you to go and I want you to go to a quiet place and I want you to pray for God to convict your heart of the way that you've been loving your spouse. And maybe you're going to come out of that prayer time going, I'm doing it right. But if you're anything like me, you're going to come out needing to have a conversation with your spouse. Because I haven't loved my wife like that all the time. I've put myself first. And so what I want you to do is I want you to have a conversation with God. I want you to ask him to convict you of the way that you're loving your spouse. Then I want you to go and I want you to talk to your spouse. And I don't want you to say, well, you haven't done this, you haven't been this, you haven't done this. I want you to say, this is how I am. This is who I want to be. And this is how I want to love you. And I want you to think about the words that you heard today. Is this making sense? So I want you to have a conversation with you and God. I want you to take a real look at yourself. And then I want you to talk to your spouse. And maybe you're a spouse in here today that you need some forgiveness. Ask for it. Maybe you're the spouse in here today that needs to offer some forgiveness. Let today be a new day where you start over. There's big issues in our families, and I know that. And some of it's going to take counseling. Some of it's going to take healing. But start that motion today. Because your children are watching. The world is watching. And God's called us to it. May it be said of us as a church, as married people, married people one day, that we are a people who submit to one another out of reverence for God. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We pray now, God, that even as we go to communion, I'm sure that some of us even came through the doors with things on our hearts fights in the car, just getting the kids ready. God, I pray that you would convict us of the things that we need to talk to our spouse about. God, I pray that you would give us the courage and strength to say we're sorry. Give us the courage and strength not to keep score or to point fingers. Help us to not start our sentences with you, but with with I instead. I pray for healing. We pray, Lord, that you will right the problems in our lives by helping us to love each other biblically.
as it says in the Ephesians, God. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name.